Y'all, anger is like the radioactive substance of the heart. (coughs) Anger is the radioactive substance of the heart. What do I mean by that? Well, harnessed correctly, used wisely, it can be tremendously powerful force for good. It can. But, but oh my, if there is a spill, and when it boils over and it bubbles over and it spills on the ground, it can cause tremendous amounts of destruction and harm. Anger is the radioactive substance at the core of our hearts. I think that's exactly what the Bible is teaching. And the reason I say that, the reason I I point to the fact that it can be good is because we heard it in our passage. It said in our passage this morning, be angry. Did you catch that? It didn't say, don't sin, therefore don't be angry. It did not say that. It said, be angry. But in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so we're going to look at that this morning. How do we be angry and not sin? How do we have the good side of anger, but not the bad side of anger? Let's dive into that. But before we dive in, I want to throw out a couple of stats. Because I was like, I know I cannot be alone in this. And it's true. Online, (laughs) there's a lot of anger you read in comment sections, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about a survey here. Um, 64% of people, this is a survey that was done called The Boiling Point. It was all about anger management in the United States. It was done in 2016. 64% of people in 2016 said the world is becoming an angrier place. I think that number might even be higher if we did it this morning. Almost a third of people polled said they have a close friend or family member who has trouble controlling their anger. More than one in ten say they have trouble controlling their own anger. More than one in four people say that they worry about how angry they sometimes feel. One in five people say they have ended a relationship or friendship with someone because of how they behaved when they were angry. Um, fewer than one in seven of those who say they have trouble controlling their anger have sought help for their anger. <laughs> so it is, an un, uh, it is not getting better, it seems. Let's put it that way. Um, and then I, I went, you know, who are some of the calmest people I know for this next little statistic here? I was like, the Brits, right? The stoic Brits. So I was like, okay, let's look at the London Times. They did a survey also in 2017 about anger in the UK. It's not better over there. Check this out. 50% of Brits have reacted to computer problems by hitting their PC, hurling parts of it around, screaming or abusing their colleagues. 64% of Britons working in an office have had had office rage. Now, they may have hidden it because they're Brits. 45% of Brits regularly lose their temper at work. The UK has the second worst road rage in the world after South Africa. I guess it's because they drive on the wrong side. Um, And then uh, 27% of managers in the construction industry have sought medical help for stress, anxiety, or depression. One in seven adults have sought medical treatment for stress. Okay. There you go. Personal example, statistics, anger is real. It's out there. And the Bible has given us ways that we can deal with it, that we can understand it first, and then ways that we can deal with it. So to understand it, we're going to look at the good side of anger first. That's our first point, the good side of anger. Then our second point, we're going to look at the bad side of anger. And then our last and final point is going to be like, how do we channel the good side to be our side? Catch that? How do we channel the good side to be our side? So the first thing, 
Anger, again, the passage says, be angry, but do not sin. The Bible, and I'm going to dive into this in a second, talks about God being angry. Jesus got really angry. And we know from what Scripture teaches that Jesus was sinless. So it is absolutely possible to be angry and to not sin. Now, here's why. Anger is deeply connected with love. Have you ever thought about that? Anger is deeply connected to love. If you don't love anything strongly, you will not get angry. So what that's saying is, honestly, y'all, the opposite of anger is not indifference and apathy. That's not the case. Because if you're indifferent and apathetic, it just means you don't love anything. It just means you don't really care about anything in the world. But if you really love some cause or you really love a certain person, you will protect them. And more than likely, in your protection of that thing or that person or that cause that you love, you at some point will probably get angry because of the sheer injustice of the world around us. You know, when we were in Durham, North Carolina, that's where we were before we moved to Virginia. It's a significantly less safe place than Lexington, Virginia, which is where we were before here, and even Charlottesville. And so I would hear on the news about murders almost every day. And there were neighbors we had in our neighborhood who had their homes broken into or weird people stalking around outside their house. And so I decided we needed to come up with a protection plan. So my protection plan was I grab the first weapon and then go into the closet and get the second weapon. I give Christy the second weapon while I hold on to the first weapon. And then she goes and grabs the kids and she brings them into our closet that we had in our bedroom upstairs. And then I take the first weapon and I stand at the top of the stairs. Not stand, I was actually going to lay down at the top of the stairs and kind of listen for any sort of noises or flashlights that might be moving around downstairs. And I had this thing planned out to the minute. I was like, okay, you go here, get this, get the kid in there. Why? And y'all, I can guarantee you if somebody had been in that house and which thankfully never happened, and they had the intention of harming my family, I would be angry. And I think I would be angry enough to harm them first, which is weird because I don't like fighting. I'm generally a flight person when it comes to um, getting in conflicts with people. But here's the reality. My family is going to be protected. They are going to be protected. And do not get in the way. And you're going to cause some anger if you do. If you harm my family, you're going to cause some anger. It's just that simple. Y'all may have experienced this yourself. And that anger usually comes out. I have no desire to hurt someone. It would be awful. But I still, there might come a time when I would need to in protecting that which I love. So the Bible talks in a similar way about God. God's wrath is his love in action against sin. Have you ever thought about it that way? It says, Behold, the storm of the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 30, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Nahum chapter 1 verse 2. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Okay, bottom line, God has wrath. God has anger. But it's against sin. 
It's against the fact that there is so much injustice, so much oppression in the world, that it's right and good for him to get angry. Because it's his glory that is the thing in the universe most worth protecting. God's glory is the thing in the universe most worth protecting. And he is going to protect it with everything he's got. And he calls us, if we're believers, to also protect the worth of God, the name of God, in a similar way. So there is times when, there, when anger is justified. Um, so God, he still is love, though. He does all of this for his own glory. God's love for his glory motivates his wrath against sin because sin is something that diminishes his glory. It diminishes his value in the life of a human being. Okay, so now let's look at Jesus. So that's God, right? He is protecting something worth protecting, and his anger, his wrath, comes out on the protection of that thing worth protecting. Okay, so Jesus, same thing. Same thing happens. It's the famous story you've heard in the New Testament where Jesus is in the temple courts. I don't know if you've heard this one before. It's famous even in sort of secular world. He takes tables in there and he overturns them. There's money flying. There's chickens that are getting up in people's grill. He is going bananas inside the temple courts and he is angry, it says in scriptures. But what is he protecting at that point? He says, this house, this temple, is a house of prayer for the Lord, for the Lord's name, and you have turned it into Dollar General. This should not be. This should not be so. This is unjust. This is wrong. This is making the name of God, spitting on the name of God, essentially. He's saying, no, no, no. His anger is coming out, and it's righteous anger. It's a good thing that he gets angry when he's protecting something like that. Okay. So the bottom line is the same can be true for us, y'all. We can be angry in a righteous way. When we see God being mocked or there's a cause, a cause that, would, that God would be for, it's okay for us to get angry. Or when we defend the good things that we love, it's okay for there to be anger. That's righteous anger. But here's the problem. And this is our point, second point. The problem is that our anger is rarely, if ever, pure and righteous. <laughs> it's just difficult for us to get in that same position where the Lord is and where Je- the, God the Father is and where Jesus is when it comes to anger. Um, I mentioned earlier that anger uh, can be radioactive. It, you know, there's a sense in which it's volatile. Um, it quickly turns into something evil and dangerous when it sort of spills over onto others. Um, and this, honestly, is the anger that probably most of us know best. It's the one we've probably all experienced at times. And let me talk real quick about how things can go wrong, about how this, this radioactive substance, again, that can be a cause for great good, that can power lots of wonderful things. How does it go bad? How does it spill out? It spills out in two ways and becomes dangerous and hurtful. The first is when our anger is protecting the wrong object. The first is when our anger is protecting the wrong object. When our anger is protecting the wrong object, many bad things tend to occur. You have to ask yourself the question, what am I defending and is it really worth defending? 
Because sometimes if you really dig back, you'll find that you'll, you're defending your idols. That's what your anger is coming out at. Your false gods. The things that you worship other than God or Jesus. Look at your anger and trace it back to the source. More than likely, you'll find you're angry because you're protecting what? Everybody's got a different thing. Where it goes wrong, y'all, sometimes is when we're protecting our own ego. We're protecting ourself. It's why a lot of us are really touchy. And things get out of When you're touchy, I'm touchy. Things can get out of proportion really quickly. Right? It's like you get the slightest little word set against you at work or somebody cuts you off in traffic. And so you're one car back from where you were previously. One car length back from where you were previously. That son of a... I'm going to... You know, I mean, this, this, this vitriol just comes pouring out. It's happened to me. Krista, you've never seen this, have you? Never. She's never seen me react in a way like that in the car before. But see, here's what happens. When, that's how you, you can tell your anger is protecting the wrong object when it's completely out of proportion to the, the injustice or the harm done. Somebody says, you know, at work, it's like, um, you know, your performance this quarter, it hasn't been quite as good as the previous three quarters, and, you know, we're just going to need you to come in 15 minutes earlier each day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> veins popping. You know, it's like, if you're able to sit for a minute, you know, and you might take that home and you stew over it, and you're like, uh, 15 minutes, ah, it's going to ruin my life. You're making it, my, you know, I'm li- this is a living hell. You know, but if, if somebody else can come near you and be like, calm down, think about it for a minute. What's the harm here? 15 minutes, you're going to be okay. Your ego is still intact. So again, y'all, that is, that's a warning sign that our radioactive substance inside of us is spilling out. If your anger is completely out of proportion to the actual harm done, then something is wrong. Ding, 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 ding. You know, if you've ever been in a nuclear facility, they have lots of those warning lights, and they have really loud sirens. <laughs> you know, it's, this is one of those things we have to be careful of. Oh, here's another good example. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I was like, there's so many good examples for my life. The person in front of you at Starbucks who orders the triple shot pumpkin spice latte with almond milk. And, okay, fine. Your order took 12 minutes. I'm cool. We're all good. Then they get up there, and they're standing in line, and we're both waiting because our names are on the Starbucks coffee labels, cups. And they take theirs, and my, my drink is currently being made. And they take theirs and say, Taste, I don't think there's three shots in here. You know, that's what I've just, I mean, I can't help it. It's, it's completely out of proportion, but I'm like, it doesn't taste like there's three shots. Let me show you three shots. Okay, I didn't actually throw it in anybody's face, y'all. But I mean, have you done this one when you're at a restaurant? At a restaurant? Oh boy. They made you wait an extra four minutes past what you wanted to wait? Uh-oh. That waiter better watch out. Because of course it's the waiter's fault, isn't it? That, that the food is coming out slow or that you're not quite getting to the front of the restaurant. I mean, I, it's come out at a restaurant. <laughs> I'm just yelling at somebody because, man, 
You are not treating me the way I need to be treated. My ego is feeling hurt right now. Um, okay, I'm sure y'all could come up with another 50 examples, but we've got to move on. And we've got to get to the point of how do we fix this? How do we heal from this? Um, our anger, so our anger can often be protecting the wrong object. Protecting the wrong object. Things such as a fragile ego, things such as a cause that honestly doesn't matter to the world or to God. But also, our anger can be pointed at the wrong object. We can be protecting the wrong object, but we can also be pointed towards the wrong object. What do I mean by that? Well, it's kind of like when you had a hard day at work, people were mean to you, you didn't get the props you deserved, and you come home and you slap your kid, or you yell at your kid. That is when, again, anger is pointed at the wrong object. Your child is not the reason you're angry. Yes, they didn't obey you at the first time, and they uh, didn't you know, put their crayons up in the way that you wanted to put them up. But when you, when you destroy them by your anger, destroy their little hearts by your anger, it is a, the wrong object. You're pointing your sense of injustice at the wrong object, right? You want to be able to point your anger, the sense of injustice, at the right things. You want to use that energy for good and not for evil. So we might be mad. Here, here's another example. We might be mad about the injustice done to immigrants or women or children or the poor or the elderly or name the cause, throw it in there, and we take it out sometimes on our neighbor. Instead of actually fighting for one of those causes and, get in, and getting behind one of them and, and rallying people and doing positive good things to help the poor and you know, collect money, we end up angry about these injustices in the world, and then we find out our neighbor, our next-door neighbor, across-the-street neighbor, they have, they have a different view than we do about one of those things. And we get angry at our neighbor. <laughs> Again, it's exactly the wrong object for where our energy should go. Our energy should be going towards the cause, not the person who has an opposing view about the cause. Does that make sense to everyone? Wrong object. Wrong Y'all, we do it all the time. I do it all the time. We get confused because our anger... I mentioned radioactive. It's like an energy. Anger is like an energy within it. It's an engine. And it's a good thing. It keeps you going. It keeps you fighting for right. It keeps you fighting for justice in the world. But again, it's got to be protecting the right thing and pointed at the right thing for it to actually be of any good to the world around us without destroying the people that we love. Okay, so anger can be good. Be angry and do not sin, says the Bible. Anger can also be bad. (laughs) As Jesus said, it's like you're murdering someone in your heart if you get angry with someone. You're imagining ways to blow their brains out with a shotgun, perhaps. Not good, says Jesus. Okay, so what's the solution? How do we lighten up? And how do we focus our anger to actually producing good in the world? There's a few ways. We're not going to get to all the answers to that, but there's a few ways I want to talk about this morning. The first thing is, this is just a very practical thing. Good old TJ, 
guy who helped build part of this town. He says, when angry, count to 10 before you speak. If very angry, count to 100. Okay, so this is just like classic, pithy, silly, old school, um, helpful tips on dealing with anger. And it's true. Sometimes, because it's this energy within us, it's like an engine, sometimes it, the right thing is you just count or walk away or go take a breather or go put yourself in a corner or whatever. That's right and good. But y'all, that is not getting to the root of the problem. But I just want to acknowledge that that is not a terrible idea. Let's do that. But also, it's not getting the root of the problem. As we've mentioned about all of these vices, these seven deadly sins, the root of them is, of wrath and anger is pride. It's remembering, this is the hard one for all of us. Y'all, I totally fall into this boat. It's remembering that we are not the center of the universe. <laughs> That's a tough one. It's remembering that our, getting our way is not the center of how things should go in the entire world. It's, it's being able to laugh at how selfish we can sometimes be. Sometimes you just have to laugh at it and just be like, this is silliness. I'm one car link back from where I was. It's time to stay joyful in life. Um, so the book of Proverbs is all about this. The book of Proverbs, if you summarize, there's like 15, 20 verses on anger in Proverbs. I don't have time to get into all of them today. But it's like basically the, the gist is chill out. <laughs> chill out, calm down. Nothing good is going to come. When you take, when your energy is all stirred up for injustice and you spit it out at someone or something. Generally speaking, if it's in that mode, if it's in the moment of hotness, where it's, it's not going to be something positive that flows from it. Chill out. Take some time to cool down. You're way more of a selfish idiot than you will admit on your best days. That's a hard truth to accept. You're way more of a selfish idiot than you're willing to admit on your best days. Accept it. Accept some humility and gentleness and then as the God works it in our lives. Now, that is not meant, hear me out, it's not meant to be like, oh, I'm just so stupid. Oh, bad self-esteem. I'm so dumb. It's meant to just be like, take stock of the fact that it's about others, as the Bible says. In humility, consider others better than yourself. So there's a consideration that has to happen. But also... There's a re- the way to keep ourselves joyful in the midst of the reality of, of what we are and who we are as human beings is the fact that God has released us from our debt. And I conclude with this. Paul says at the end of that passage in Ephesians 4, he says basically the antidote to anger towards another person or towards a, a group of people is forgiveness, is being able to truly forgive. Now, that's easy to say, right? Hey, okay, Christ Central, just forgive. That's really hard to practice. It's really hard to do on a regular basis. But what the Bible teaches, what Jesus teaches, is when he talks about forgiveness, he talks about it in the sense of a debt. I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again because it's really helpful. There's a king who is owed millions of dollars by this one person. And this is Jesus telling the story. And he says... Okay, the guy comes in and he says, I cannot pay. There is no way. I I have like $5 and I owe millions. And God is like, the king, sorry, God is the picture of the king, says, okay, I'm going to wipe away your debt completely. And he is just 
overflowing with joy. He is jumping up and down, running down the streets, yelling how awesome it is. Another person comes up to him and says, hey, another, he sees one of his friends who owes him like $100. And he says to this friend, he says, grabs him by the collar and says, pay me the $100, I'm going to throw you in jail. And he says to him, uh, the, the guy says, have mercy, I, I can't pay you the $100. And he ends up throwing him in the jail he, it ends up being this horrible situation where he harms this guy, put him a hundred bucks, and he just was forgiven millions. So the king, of course, calls him into his courts, and he says, what have you done? What have you done? I forgave you millions of dollars. This guy owed you a hundred, and you throw him in jail and have him beaten until he can pay it back. He's like, you, the same thing is true for you. Go. Get in jail. It's time for you to be beaten. But the point Jesus makes in the story is you can really only forgive someone, truly, forgive someone if you yourself believe that your debt has been paid you have got to understand yourself good old deacon over there you have to understand yourself as being free from all debts there has got to be a lightness to your step to your mind to your heart of i all debts i've ever owed to the god of the universe through jesus christ have been paid in full every sin i have ever committed in my life up to this point Every sin I'm going to commit today and every sin I'm going to commit at the rest of my life is 110% forgiven by God through Jesus Christ. It is paid for. I am free. It is done. If that's how the God of the universe treats me through the sacrifice of his son, what would it be for me to let this other person go who owes me 100 bucks, who cut me off in traffic or who said some nasty things to me at work or who harmed me in some way in my own family, did something to me. It is, a, it is a small thing for me to forgive this little offense when I have offended against the king of the universe continually. And he, through Jesus Christ, forgives me. Y'all, that's the only way, ultimately, that we can forgive others. Because you, you can be told to forgive. I can be told, go forgive him. Go forgive her. That's nigh to impossible to do. There has got to be a true opening of the heart to the fact that God, through Christ, forgives us. Let's pray. Lord, um, I need to know your freedom. And I imagine there's folks in here that are in the same boat, Lord, that need to know and feel and um, internalize the fact that We owed a great debt and you took it away. Lord, you released us. Lord, I pray the release from that debt would be our great joy that you would help us go forth from this place with hope and encouragement and delight because, Lord, we owe nothing. Our record is clean. You accept us. You love us. You call us your sons and daughters. You have freed us forever from the penalty of sin. May that be the joy and the cry of our heart today. And Lord, with that truth, with that percolating in our hearts, I pray that we would take the hard step to forgive those that have harmed us and to live a life of forgiveness, Lord. This is what you've called us to in Christ. And at the same time, Lord, I pray this for the church. I pray this for individuals here at this church. 
I pray, Lord, that we would not lose the fire and the energy to fight for what is right, to fight for justice in this world, Lord. Help us by the power of your Spirit to do it in a way where we don't sin, or at least where the sin is minimized by your grace. Lord, give us the right objects. Give us to protect. Lord, give us the right objects to, um, to fight against. May it be in your name that we do that, Lord. And we pray it in Jesus. Amen. Let's now continue our worship through the Lord's Supper. This is, the Lord's Supper is another picture we have of forgiveness, right? This is, Jesus looked for a lot of ways to say you're forgiven. And this is one of the most powerful ways in the Bible that Jesus shows forgiveness. He said, my body, God is going to take his wrath, anger, wrath, the thing we just talked about. God is going to take all of it, all of his anger, all of his wrath against sin. And the solution is, you're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be destroyed. Though you deserve destruction, I am going to put all of my wrath on my son. And he is going to take everything that you deserve upon himself. And his body is going to be broken for you. That's why Jesus said on that night when he was up with his disciples, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. God's wrath is coming down on me. And I want you to eat and drink in remembrance of what I've done for you. Now, we would ask that if you have not placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, that you let the elements pass by and spend some time in prayer thinking about the forgiveness of God and come to Him. I don't, I don't know where you are today. If you're hurting, if you're feeling burdened by sin, if anger is ruling your heart, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He will take you into His arms this morning. And then we'll pick a piece off and we'll um, partake together. Thank you, gentlemen. You got both of them. Boom.